into positions of hopelessness and helplessness. The government gives them the drugs, builds bigger prisons, passes a three-strike law, and then wants us to sing God Bless America. No, no, no. Not God Bless America. God damn America. That's in the Bible for killing innocent people. God damn America for treating us citizens as less than human. God damn America. As long as she tries to act like she is God and she is supreme. Who's here, the happy couple? Oh, my baby. Hi, Mom. Victor, my boy. Okay, so this is our friend Richard Lewis. Thank you for your service, bro. Oh, thank you. Thank you. And our neighbors, Leslie and John. What a hero you are. Thank you oh, for please. your service. Oh, thank you. The real heroes are still there, but I appreciate it. Thank that. you for your service. Thank you. Yeah, grateful nation. And this is our friend Larry. Hey, hey, nice to meet you. Um, yeah, it's, uh, <laughs> you know what, um, I'm gonna excuse myself. Victor. Victor! Huh? What, what, what's... You didn't thank him for his service, asshole. They thanked him, three people thanked him. Why do I have to thank him? Fuck, how hard would it have been? Thank it's you for your service. Obvious. Does everybody have to thank him for yes. his service? Now you've ruined everything, Larry. I'm making all this delicious salmon, and the whole night is ruined. Are you sauteing that? Yes. Would you mind broiling mine? That a face? Get the fuck out. Leave. Hmm. Okay. Thank you for serving the hors d'oeuvres. Um, thank you for being a very good manager. Thank you for coming over in this brisk weather. Thank you for leaving! Here's how we'll open this. Play one of his videos just into that microphone. Right, just to on. give, like, the listener a glimpse into the, the fucking the madness the of this. He's from the neighborhood we're going to talk about. He's And he's <laughs> insane, like Kenny Shopson. That person you just heard hosts a show at Broadway Comedy Club. <laughs> Comedy makes total sense as a business. Keep it going for Nick DiPaolo. Hey. hey. Hey, fucking folks! Hats off, fellas. <laughs> Maga, Jolly Cat—that'll happen eventually, right? <laughs> the kids is trans. <laughs> yeah, but dabba doo. He's just licking the top of his hand. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a white ethno state. <laughs> do 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 do. <laughs> oh. Fuck. All right. Uh, we'll get we'll get back to that. I have a feeling this is not the last time I will mention the Jolly Cat. On the <laughs> Hello, motherfuckers. Greetings, the damned, and welcome to Pod Damn America, the the gothic socialist podcast for not the Jolly Cat. You're never allowed to come on here. Stay away from me. Stay on your side of the bridge. Um, <laughs> we have Jolly Black Cat. It's a whole other thing. He's spooky. Um, and he's make sure he doesn't cross you though. Twice as insane. Um, <laughs> I, yeah, yeah, I, I like that. <laughs> Don't cross me. I'm the Jolly Black Cat. <laughs> that's like a tagline for him as a supervillain. <laughs> you crossed me. <laughs> it's your unlucky day. Um, <laughs> I'm very excited. Uh, today I've got a, a fucking great crew in. Um, 
to kick off something, I guess this will be the unofficial second episode of a series. I didn't come up with the name of it until afterwards. We did a service industry episode that's behind the paywall where uh, me and some friends told bartending nightmare stories. Ah, and I got it. About Those were the drinks. This is the appetizer. And the next one will be the main course. And then we got the dessert. Oh, like um, like Operation Menu. That, yeah. That Kissinger Vietnam thing where all the fucking murdering of uh, peasants was like, Act 1, breakfast. Act 2. <laughs> this, this is a real thing. I'm reading Nixonland right now, and I go through oh, yeah. all the crazy shit he did with Kissinger. And like one of the uh, one of the crazy war operations, they just named, like, they themed it like a diner. <laughs> <laughs> so like Scrambled eggs means dead Cambodian children. <laughs> Yeah, they literally made it sequential like that, where it's like, lunch, we're going to set a family on fire. <laughs> Nightcap, that's the end, they come back and they burn everyone. I don't know, <laughs> um, but yeah. Um, but anyway, unofficially, welcome to, uh, uh, to episode two of a series I'm going to call Thank You for Your Service, um, to steal valor from uh, Facebook or Reddit or whatever. Um... We're going to talk about the service industry. We're going to talk about... Uh, to, to, what did I, did I fuck that up? How is this healing valor from Reddit? I don't know. I, <laughs> I didn't mean that to make sense. Like comma, like stealing valor, you know, like from Reddit. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That's a comma issue. I just meant uh, I'm going to try to theme it uh, in a way that pisses off people in the military by respecting <laughs> the real troops... Uh, fry cooks, dishwashers, bartenders, back waiters, etc. Anyone on cocaine. Anyone <laughs> on oh, cocaine yeah. getting paid under the books. Those are the troops I respect. Right? Did the show you did actually have any troops show up? The one that was going to charge them extra? Oh, the fucking the twenty dollars extra for veterans yeah. thing. Uh, no, they sold tickets in advance, and we checked because we thought it would be funny if like if someone even did that as a bit, but nobody. <laughs> I nobody, actually. I used to work at a movie theater, and I sold a ticket to uh, a, vet a veteran, and he was like, "Do I get a military discount?" And I was like, uh, "No, but I'll just." We, they didn't have a military discount; they did a senior discount, so I just gave him the senior discount. And then my boss uh, was tearing his ticket and was like, "Hey, you're not a senior," and he made him go back. <laughs> He got the ticket refunded, and then had to purchase a full price ticket. <laughs> you got, sir. You are being dishonorably discharged from this Pinkberry. Get the fuck out. Also, also everyone, just heads up. Talk down the mic like this; it catches best. Uh, the issues in the Gulf were a conflict, not a war. Get back in line. <laughs> yeah, that fucking rules. Anyways, uh, episode two of Thank You for Your Service. We talked bartending last time. This time, I think we're going to talk, um, uh, well, cooking, but also I'm not entirely sure. Uh, we might get into other stuff because I have a feeling I'm with a service industry veteran. I will introduce everyone now. I'm Jake Flores. Um, with me, Anders Lee. Anders Lee here, waiter slash busboy slash dishwasher is my um, resume. Thank you for your service. <laughs> Alex Patak. Alex Patak, back server and back alley boy. <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, from balling out super, Jeremy Hammond. Hi, uh, uh, delivery guy and barista for a week once. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, from comedy, just at large, Will Winter. 
Uh, barista, waiter, server, barback, bareback. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Hell yeah. <laughs> I'm out here. Get it. <laughs> Thank you, sir. Thank you. <laughs> I put out some feelers. I was like on Facebook and I was like, hey, who the fuck is like a service industry person that would be good for, you know, just I'm going to keep having comics on to come talk about this stuff. But uh, somebody brought up your name, Will, and I was like, this guy definitely has some stories because I feel like over the last five years, every time I've run into you, you and me have both probably been like one paycheck away from death. Yeah. And like, you're, I feel like one time you were trying to sell me a computer and I was like, I also need $700. <laughs> so uh, so I, I imagine there's probably something alarming. That was happened. all self-induced. Though. I mean, my waiter days, it was like so much coke in the restaurant that I'd always get bankrupt around summertime. <laughs> and I ended up taking $700 from a busboy who was trying to get his sister-in-law citizenship in the country. So he gave me, he, I kept on showing up to work and he would give me like a sweater and a Snickers bar for like a couple weeks and you'd just be like you're a very nice guy I really like you a lot and I was like I never knew what was coming then he was just like alright I want you to know that I really like you and I think you're a good guy he was like I want to get my sister-in-law in the country he's like I can pay you I was like alright how much can you pay me he was like 200 bucks I was like I don't know dude that sounds like a lot of hassle he's like 700 bucks gave me 700 bucks I had to fill out all the shit go down to immigration uh, <laughs> did you marry this guy's sister-in-law <laughs> for 700 dollars <laughs> I needed the money, man. You did. You seriously married this woman. No, I didn't. Okay. Uh, the license and, uh, is almost a hundred. I just had to vouch that she was a good person, even though I never uh, met her. Okay. And so I wrote all these things. I had to go and get notarized with him, way the fuck far out in Flushing, and uh, she didn't get in. And I still kept this. <laughs> Wait, what did you? What did you say about yes. her? What was like the uh, nice just stuff? Just an he upstanding said. Uh, young lady. She, had, I'd met her on her visit when she came. Uh, we had gone to McCarran Park and hung out. And she was cool. She was like... <laughs> yeah, you got to pepper in those details to make it more real. <laughs> and that if McCarran anything Park, ever happened with nice. her, I vouch for her character. <laughs> it it, it kind of works out she didn't get in because Ice definitely listens to this podcast. <laughs> I feel really bad if a woman got deported from this episode. <laughs> I mean, they oh, say yeah. that when you do that, you're supposed to like remember or you like look back and see what movies were showing at the time where you met the person so you can make up a story about your first date but uh, I, I like the, the idea of somebody trying to shoehorn in like yes a must love dogs we went to go see <laughs> gotta tell you wasn't a fan We uh, we'll get into the nightmare stories here in a little bit, but for, I think we, were, we should start off by talking about this this documentary. This is uh, Jeremy's idea, and I think it's a nice. Uh, there's a lot of like, there's a lot of weird wisdom in this movie and places <laughs> we can go with it. Um, if you guys have never seen the movie, I like killing flies. Um, it's on YouTube. You can watch it in its entirety. It used to be on Netflix, I believe. Yeah, um, that's where I saw it the first that's time. That's where I saw it. So uh, if you Thank want, you it's a podcast. Uh, podcast rules. You can go watch it and fucking keep up or just listen to us. We're pretty much going to recap Play or this over the movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, it's it going to work. It's perfectly. It's like Dark Side of the Moon. <laughs> <laughs> um, the movie is basically a documentary about this, uh, I would say, working class hero. Who's a, 
Hell yeah. Hell yeah. I was worried I was going to come in and everyone's going to be like, this sucked. No, this dude that. sucks. <laughs> no, no. This is good for on topic because it's like you either know, have met this dude before or you're like, oh no, I am him. <laughs> <laughs> he's like food service Pagliacci. <laughs> yeah. He's like the ghost of Christmas future for a lot of people in the service industry, I think, and in that he... Uh, owns a diner called Shopsons. His name's Kenny Shopson. He is an insane tyrant when it comes to the rules of his diner, and he's also sort of like aging, and is you know, he's got this family that he's like he's he's waxing philosophical the whole time about like oh, you start a family, you never really know if you want them or not, you know. <laughs> <laughs> At one point, one of his kids is like explaining because his whole thing is he's got his own personal philosophy. So he's very much like an Ignatius J. Riley from uh, Confederacy of Dunces type character. Uh, and so he just constantly rattling off on all this mythology that he made up himself. And like one of one of, one, one point, one of his kids is just like. My dad's got some weird beliefs. Like, for, for example, he thinks you should be able to murder your kid until they're a teenager. <laughs> like, if you, like, if you just don't want them. <laughs> um, so it's a restaurant run by the Yellow King from uh, True Detective, basically. Um, he's this big, fat, crazy dude. And uh, he, you know, but he's got like a, a following because people kind of like respect him. He's got these weird rules. You go into his his diner and like, He's just like, I mean, he's he's what he he's kind of what you would do eventually if you just stay a lifer in the service industry and you get to start your own restaurant. Which yeah, is, which yeah. is go like, I'm not going to get in the weeds. The rules here are I only take four tickets at a time. That's it. People go, won't you make more money if you take more tickets? He goes, yeah. I don't care because <laughs> this place is my coffin, you know, I'm just going to be fucking doing this like every day until I'm dead or whatever. And he is dead. He died like uh, in September. Yeah. There's a, a story about uh, Shopsons in like the early days where I guess one of their regular customers was a New York Times food columnist <laughs> who was under like a very strict rule that like you cannot write about Shopsons no matter what. Uh, never write about us or else you'll be banned for life. Uh, <laughs> and so to get around it, he wrote for the New Yorker this like sort of anonymous story about a restaurant <laughs> where he basically describes Shopsons, describes Kenny and then the whole time is just like, but I can't tell you where it is, so you're just going to have to, I guess, deal with that. Make of this what you will. <laughs> Somebody who truly tries to create something beautiful and lovely. And people who create things to uh, neutralize the venom that they produce every night in their dreams. And that I'm definitely the second type. That I cook to neutralize some type of Freudian mother breast related problem that resurges in me just like old faithful all the time and I can't and I can't get rid of it it's in there it's in there it's it's mixed in worse than AIDS could be mixed in um, there's some speculation that the soup Nazi on Seinfeld is based on Kenny Shopson huh. it being a situation where the dynamic like the bit is kind of that the food is so good that you'll put up with all this crazy shit that the guy throws at you 
Right, because um, when he doesn't let you in, it's not that you don't get served. He just like yells to your face. He's like, "Fuck you! You gotta leave. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got my big sons here. You gotta go." <laughs> yeah. He has a rule. Uh, he won't take parties of five, and apparently people will come in. They'll not know it. There'll be five people, and they'll say like, "We can pull up an extra chair." They go, "Fuck off!" They'll go, "We'll split into two groups. Three of us will go eat over here, and two of us will go eat over here." And he's like, "You're still a party of five. There's still five people that know each other." And like, he'll ban you for life for trying to hack this rule that it operates just not even on the basis of the function of the restaurant. It's just that you've offended his honor. Yeah. <laughs> um, but supposedly. But he's got this like crowd of regulars that keep coming back because you know they find it kind of charming, and also the food is just so fucking good. Like he's got like a hundred pancake recipes he like invented himself. Like, there's like nine hundred recipes. Yeah, yeah there's nine hundred things on the menu. The yeah, that's insane. He has a whole part of the movie where he talks about the the allure of fusion food and pancakes made out of meat. Is that it's a sexual thrill? Yeah, <laughs> to eat ingredients that are not in pancakes. And he says it's so matter of fact that. It takes like a few minutes before that part ends, and you're like, no, there's not. <laughs> <laughs> you know yeah. so? I don't know. I was on the same page as <laughs> He's very convincing. He's there's very a lot of stuff like that, though, where he just says something like completely like so alien to you that you couldn't even begin to relate to it, but you just kind of go along. Like, how many times does he bring up like Freudian shit in the movie oh, yeah. where he's just like, yeah, I cook because I have nightmares about sucking my mom's tit. <laughs> And he's like very matter of fact about it. He's like, I think that's why most people cook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's it's funny because he's gone clearly like half insane and off the deep end. And but he, there's a consistency. You can tell his rules make sense to him. Yeah, there is a consistent moral code within this guy's head, which is why he's like, I think he reminds me of Ignatius Riley from that book or whatever. But he he's also yeah deep in the Jungian Freudian shit. Um, he talks about fucking a lot. It's, uh, one of the pancake recipes, there's two of them. I looked it up. There's slut cakes and hoe cakes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he has some reasoning behind, like... Well, well the slut <laughs> cakes are, um, it's like colored sugar that's like burnt onto the top of them. Pretty good. Yeah, have you yeah, had pretty good, yeah. I haven't eaten, like, I, this place is, I talked about Old Man Hustle the last episode we did, because mm -hmm. uh, I have all these crazy stories from working there, like when, that, when we found that dead body and shit, there's all this crazy <laughs> shit. Um, <laughs> I, I never realized, this place is two blocks away from Old Man Hustle, the new, uh, the new Shopsons, yeah. the, the original one that's in the movie, the movie sort of takes uh, place as they're realizing that their lease in Greenwich Village, where they've been at for like 32 years, is uh, is ending, and they are getting kicked out, and they have to relocate to Essex Market, which is in like Chinatown-ish. Well, so they relocate to another spot, and then to Essex Market. Oh, like right. The spot that they move to in the movie is another place in Greenwich Village. That's like maybe three blocks away from the original one, but he makes this whole thing out of like, I'm in a new neighborhood. <laughs> I feel like I'm a hostile in this land. Well, he's he's insane, so that part's funny, but I think the like. Something that's interesting about what a big deal it is to move this fucking restaurant is uh, they show you, like, he's had this fucking... He, he's, like, you know, the he's the fucking king of this tiny operation, this kitchen, and it's been there for so long, and he's able to work it in such a way because he's, 
like worn all the gear in to such an extent and created all these like impromptu fix it situations like hanging a little cup underneath a spout thing for when right, you need to pour yeah. it so it catches the excess spout because otherwise you'd have to buy a whole new thing or whatever and like the like weird existential crisis he's going through is that of if I move all my shit do I still know how to do like this weird specific magic that I'm doing at this restaurant because the you know the 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 th- the fear is that the the operation is based on having worn in this like daily routine so he's got like that weird kind of sushi perfect action thing going on right right by the point the health inspector comes too you're thinking like this guy's fucked this place, <laughs> this place is built like a pirate ship after a ball hits it <laughs> <laughs> i mean that fucking that's interesting does the health inspector come in the documentary i think he who's he talking to that's inspecting everything before he leaves oh i don't know I mean, it might be. Like, who knows? He might have just told him to fuck off. imagined a scene of this movie that's not in it. <laughs> I'm pretty sure, you know, he has to, like, apologize to someone because he curses at them. But the Oh, no, shark- that's the guy who owns the restaurant that they're moving into. Okay, so maybe the health inspector just didn't know he was there <laughs> 30 <laughs> full years because it does not look legal at all. Well, the weird thing about, like, health inspectors in this business, especially in this city where there's kind of, like, all this... Um, there's a lot of like laws still on the books here that like you know everything's just sort of been built up and some of it's kind of vestigial or whatever. The health inspection thing is really funny because it's in theory there's an across the board standard yeah, that different. they hold everyone yeah. to, but in practice, it's like everyone knows when the guys come in. They tip you off. There's this weird relationship where you guys both wink at each other and you go, "Hey, as long as I fucking am not a dick to you and you're not a dick to me." You'll ignore the fact that there's flies and shit. And like, uh, we used to have, a, I worked at this fucking restaurant called a 282 Burger. It was owned by a guy named Billy Thanopoulos. The only reason I bring that up is because I realized recently his last name is Death City in Greek. <laughs> cool. Fucking insane That's small sick. business really tyrant. Cool. What language? Uh, in Greek. It's oh. insane small business tyrant named Billy Death City. <laughs> but our thing was we'd yell uh, 86 Stolio. That's how you know that the. That's how you call that the. It's hootie who for, <laughs> for the health inspector. <laughs> but uh, the reason they had had this system set up is because over the years, like they 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 eventually got into a good relationship with the the health inspector to where the health inspector kind of knew what was going on. We all kind of knew what was going on. But there's like a dance where everyone pretends like yeah. we're being inspected. But to start off the first year that they got inspected, they kept failing. And uh, eventually, this insane waiter that would drink pint glasses of fucking vodka, and had eventually at one he'd, at one point he punched Billy Death City in the face, and still worked there. They were about to fire this guy, and then like at one point he just shit faced, sat down next to the health inspector who was a woman at the bar, and they all were like, "What the fuck's about to happen?" And they left together, <laughs> <laughs> and he fucked the health inspector. <laughs> And they got an A. <laughs> Damn, dude. Um, uh, similar health inspector type of uh, tangent, I suppose. I worked at uh, Insomnia Cookies when they were first getting started in New uh, York. Yeah. It was like one of the first locations before they had like storefronts, like they have now. The New York operation was based out of an apartment above a Belgian beer bar over by West Fourth Street. Yeah, and uh, I was their delivery guy. And uh, we had a very strict order in regards to uh, health inspectors, which was if a health inspector comes, you're just hanging out. 
<laughs> There's like, you don't actually work here. You don't even, for all you know, you just like ended up here. You, d- you just were like Coming hanging out. out the and, yeah. yeah, exactly. <laughs> they were just like, you have no idea what's going on in this apartment. And uh, that's just how it is. <laughs> just, you don't speak English. You just go, uh, hi, I don't speak English. Yeah, hi, hey, hi. <laughs> I know what this looks like, but no, I don't speak English. I'm Jeremy. I'm from Russia. (laughs) I don't think I talked about this last time, but the health inspectors definitely have a a code where maybe if you run a higher-end restaurant, they let you off easier. I I worked at a higher-end restaurant where they somehow, the entire time I worked there, this is in Quincy, Massachusetts, and they've closed since, so it doesn't matter, but they didn't have soap. The entire time I worked there, so they were just trying to blast the food off of plates only using hot water. What? Oh, what? There was a smell that we could not figure out for months, <laughs> and it that, that nothing was clean oh. for six months. That is disgusting. And I see. I, I work for a high end place, and they're trying to fuck us constantly. But like, so we've had two. There's a bakery attached to this thing, and so whenever the bakery gets it, the whole restaurant gets it. And the health inspectors come in, and we've had two failing grades over the past six months, but then they just take it to court, and the lawyers shell out a bunch of money, and we get an A anyway. <laughs> it's fucking nuts, man. There's no yeah. integrity to it whatsoever. Yeah. Everybody walks around and like calls them cocksuckers under their breath. <laughs> like, we're not respectable. Right. It is kind of like, you know, I put on my liberal social democrat hat, and it's like, yeah, we got to have regulation. But, like, these places are... It's in the interest of the businesses to have food that doesn't make people sick. Like internal regulation in this case is kind of like more effective. And like a lot of the rules are just kind of arbitrary. Like in some cases they make sense, but like no standing water. Like is that really that big of a deal that it's going to like get you a fucking failing grade, you know? Well, yeah, that's the thing is there's like a weird gap. There's a dissonance between like the the, the health inspector thing is an an example actually of like kind of just nonsense bureaucracy because Mm -hmm. it no longer functions in the way that it should right. for whatever millions of reasons. Well, right. they don't want to put the little guy out of business. Like, this is one of the first places that I'll eat at. I've been there for a long time, but like, I'd worked at four places before that where I stopped eating the food once I started making the food, and I was just like, <laughs> yeah. fuck this. This is gross. And I now work for a place where I can eat every day, and then I'll go to a fucking Chinese restaurant in bed and be like, how in God's name <laughs> do you have an A? <laughs> it's outrageous. Well, that, that's another funny thing about Back of House, and also, like, you see it in this movie with Kenny Shopson or whatever, is, like, you don't like to think about it. There's a reason there's a wall between you and the fucking kitchen. Yeah. Because, like, there's some big fat bastard like this who's making your food with his hands. Yeah, yeah that's dude. One of my favorite things about this movie, as related to, like, other food media is that like the food does not look glamorous in this movie at all <laughs> it's like mostly disgusting like pouring into new containers <laughs> so much knuckles pouring. are all the way in it yeah. the entire movie yeah. when he's separating out the egg yolks and talking about how the egg white is like a vagina yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's yeah. disgusting. Yeah, dude, you can do that with the shell. He does it with his hands. <laughs> he lets the fucking the egg whites slip through his knuckles. It's fucking disgusting. <laughs> this is the same part of the movie where a, a girl says that there's a secret menu item she can only get if uh, he sees her tits, and yeah. she's like, it's good, it's worth it. <laughs> 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 That's the 
That's the difference between 2004 and now. <laughs> well, the other thing, too, because it was filmed in 2002, and one of my favorite scenes in the movie is where he's talking about you know, the, the phrase of the that becomes a title, I like killing flies, and he's just talking about, he's comparing flies to terrorists. Right. And then he ends it by saying, I wish him well. <laughs> like, as a New Yorker in the height of, like, the war on terror as the balls. The well, another little throwaway moment uh, related to 9-11 is that he's got those two milkshake machines that he's got up on the counter. He's like, yeah, it's my little tribute to the tower. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. One of my favorite parts of this movie is, like, because he just, it, they cut it. You kind of realize, like, oh, the point of this movie is this, like, interesting juxtaposition between the story of the restaurant and then just cutting in his weird little... Uh, philosophizing and stuff and it's like at one point he's uh he's talking about like respect and he's just like yeah you know so if people just could see each other from others perspectives and you would have to uh you know you would all be nice to each other hey sam shut the fuck up (laughs) (laughs) mid-sentence yells at like a child or something important addition to the story sam is clearly a baby (laughs) i didn't catch that it's fucking funny Dude, he's got that like broken brain that like is both is it's just, in a way the thing that's kind of beautiful about this story is that that broken mind is like what you get from this world long yeah. enough you know the other place you know Mark for all the bullshit with his brother they're all decent people who treat other human beings with respect even people that don't deserve it which is the big demarcation point I think in human behavior if you treat people with respect who don't deserve it it's a mark of high civilization. Because you never know who's only temporarily deserving of bad behavior. So you try to treat everybody with a morality that makes you a good person, not whether or not they deserve to be treated well. And I feel really much more comfortable with those people. Shut the fuck up, Sam. He's the closest version of like a modern Greek philosopher king where he is in charge of his own domain of this tiny fucked up shop and then just thinks about like the war on terror impacting the third world and how all the chickens are coming home to roost. (laughs) That's like a big part of the movie is like, yeah, we deserve we deserve some things that are coming back in the next generation. (laughs) The eggs feel like pussy. Yeah, yeah. He kind of reminds me of the guy from Winnebago, man. Have you ever seen that? Yes, totally. Because he's also just got his own fucking like manifesto he's sort of constantly rattling off you've never seen that movie it's a great documentary about a, a guy who's uh who he was like an early viral star essentially he like was in the tape trading days passionate man <laughs> <laughs> yeah back in like the trade tape days it was uh especially if you worked in film you would get a hold of these things it was outtakes from a just a, a winnebago commercial um, which should be pretty simple to film. You stand next yeah. to the Winnebago commercial and you say the name of the company and then that's you wave your hand or whatever. But this guy just kept fucking it up. And as he fucked it up, he got ex- increasingly more aggravated and was <laughs> red in the face, just screaming fucking, you know, all sorts of profanity and shit or whatever. And, uh, and he's like haunted by the fact that he knows this trade tape is out there and that people know him as like the screaming Winnebago man or whatever. <laughs> but they eventually track him down. And he's like, you know, he's like a fucking, uh, he's like a hermit. He's like Krusty the Clown when he takes the makeup off and goes and lives on a boat and shit. And he's like, you know, don't talk to me or whatever. But they eventually get him to, to kind of realize like people love you because you're good at cursing or whatever. <laughs> But he's also got that thing where he went off long enough and went 
a little bit insane and talk to himself a little bit too much to where he's just half of his mind is just constantly trying to refer to this long thought out political screed in his head. <laughs> in his head, he's fucking, you know, Karl Marx or something. Man. What a simpler age of media that is when you could just like go super viral just because you curse good. Like that's how South Park got started. And those guys have had a show for what, like 20 years? Yeah. It's nuts. Are they still on? Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Somebody well, told like, me they turned left recently. I haven't watched it, so I don't know. Oh, they had Al Gore. Yeah, they re. They did like an episode about Amazon or something. Oh, because they were kind of right. They were kind of like yeah popular. That was their the, famous thing. There was like a book crowd. called South, South Park, Park Republican. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah that's kind of. There was also a guy called South Park Mexican. Really? What? None of you guys know this? No. <laughs> I thought the DJ might fucking... Like, a Houston rapper. His name had nothing to do with South Park. It was, it was the oh. neighborhood he lived in, but then South Park came out, and he got kind of... I think he mixed he, over beats of Cartman saying, like, God damn it! Yeah. <laughs> the worst music of all time. <laughs> um, yeah, I don't know, but I guess this guy's character is kind of fascinating to me, because, like, you know, in the service industry, there is, like, most of the time, there's... There's an understanding that most of the people, especially like front of house, I'd say, are doing this shit while they work on their other thing. While you go to school or something, or like if you're like us, while you do stand up, or like while you uh, you know DJ. Yeah. Um, and and uh, and then you there are lifers, you right? Know? Yeah. And you kind of constantly wonder, like, am I going to make it out of this or am I going to fucking become a lifer? Like, am I eventually going to get asked to to manage the place and get sucked more in, you know? And then there's, like, way, way far down the line, you've got this guy who I guess is probably so far in that he's able to run his own place, but that's, like, I don't know, kind of like a fucking gilded cage, like kind of a nightmare of your own making, you yeah. know? <laughs> you can't really get out of it, and it's like he's just dealing with this this weird existential crisis where he's like, well, I'm this far in, therefore I'm going to exert all the control over it. I'm going to not turn this into like a, a business that is, you know, franchised out and like for the purpose of making a ton of profit. It's just like, he's like, he's, he's trying to like, not to be too on brand or whatever, but he's like kind of pushing against the concept of capitalism when he talks about only taking four tickets at a time and I'm right. only going to make this many burgers. Cause like, you know, he kind of realizes the point of this is like not, probably to make a shit ton of money it's because he's trapped in this kitchen to just make it as tolerable as possible you know yeah well, it's gonna take forever to fix that place up forever mara said it to me so much i yelled at her last night she keeps saying that we're getting ripped off that everything they have is old moldy non-working they have a fucking and not suited to us You ever see Women in the Dunes? It's about a guy through some circumstance finds himself in this deep pit with a woman. And he's not sure how he got there exactly. And the woman is loving, you know, and they have sex. And he has to get up every morning and he has to dig sand out, put it in a bucket, pull the string, and the bucket goes up and automatically dumps the sand out. If he doesn't do that, they get buried in sand. And sometimes, without the spiritual part of my life, it feels like that, you know? I guess it feels that way to everybody, right? You know? 
Although I don't really mind digging sand, to tell you the truth. You know? Yeah. Well, and that was kind of what got me thinking about this to begin with, because I had been over by the Essex Market the other day, and I went in to, to get a sandwich from them, and they were taking four tickets at a time, and I watched people come up one after another to try to get a seat, and the guy would be like, yeah, you can, you know, you can take a seat, but you're not going to get served for at least another 45 minutes. He's got four tickets backed up right now. It's his son who runs it now, uh, but he's like, so you're just going to have to wait a while. And just watching people's response to that was, like, amazing to me. Just people getting furious. <laughs> people are so fucking mad about it. And I don't know. I just kept thinking about, like, this kind of position that you're put in as a service worker and how you're just kind of meant in society, I suppose, to, like, take whatever, you know? Like, you, yeah. you are lucky to have people to serve yeah there's two different ways that you can go about it you can either have integrity and say this is what we're doing four tickets at a time right and that creates the anger and then once people feel like they're missing out on something then by the time they get the fucking table they're like i want this 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 and then they start racking up dollars or you could do what my place does, which is you don't turn anybody away ever. And they just have to wait in this area. And so by the time they get to you, they're so fucking mad, man. <laughs> but, like, it's so easy to sell them shit. You would be like, you guys want mimosa? You should probably get three because I don't know how long the wait's going to be. Oh. And they'll be like, <laughs> so it's like I'm willing to just fucking fleece them and take their cash and I'll deal with however they fucking feel. But it's like you do have to create the commotion. For years, like, the biggest thing – at my restaurant as a waiter was just like, why is the maitre d' five-seating me every single time? Why isn't there any philosophy about staggering the seating out? It's just like, no, because to keep we have to keep things insane on some level. Turn tables. Turn tables or don't turn tables, but make it so that you have a thing that everybody fucking needs when they get there. Like, they're hungry, but you got to make them fucking desperate for you. Yeah. It's yeah. crazy. Well, as we, I mean, we've talked about this on the show before, but the, you know, the term emotional labor gets thrown around a lot. Um, and what it was originally intended to describe is this being literally someone's servant. I mean, this is the service industry having to like placate someone emotionally, uh, which you do if you're working in the service industry. It, it, it's not supposed to be like having to listen to your friend like complain about something. That's not what emotional labor was. Right. Um, but, like, this is fundamentally, I think, an unnatural relationship. And it's something that, like, eventually, and maybe this will happen through automation or hopefully through revolution, but, like, <laughs> this is something we have to move past as a society. And I say that as somebody who depends on this for my money. But well, that's, one day, yeah. that's why I call Kenny Shopson a working class hero, right? right. It's because that's, like, yeah. he's clearly, like, fighting a losing fight against everyone by just existing this way. But, like, what if everyone did that, you know? <laughs> what if we all fucking did that? And we're just, like, no longer is this thing going to operate in this fucking way. Impossible to make happen, but it's, like, you know, it's a nice dream. I don't know. I like Kenny because he doesn't have, like, a server voice. Like, <laughs> his voice is his voice. Like, I can't talk like this to customers. They're terrified if I use my chest. So Dude, I always have to be he does the Brooklyn up. guy. <laughs> he does, like, the Brooklyn guy you do and the one we always do in Bonas. It's like, what the fuck do you want, gold man? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I got a pancake. Yeah. There's a baseball on the pancake. <laughs> <laughs> as heavy as I am now. And I lived in 38 months next to a woman who was really crazy. I mean, every time I came home. You fat. You bastard. Every night. For years. 
And then I went on like a diet and I lost a lot of weight. And one night I came home and she says, you Jew bastard. And I went there and said, holy shit, she complimented me. And I turned around and I said, thanks, Betty. I was sitting and eating and they had a bris here. And the, um, the moil cutter of the weenie came and uh, he wasn't extremely thrilled about the place because there was a big 20-pound ham cooking up on the counter. And I think he disliked Kenny so much he said something nasty to him about the uh, weenie that he just worked on. And Kenny went charging after the guy and was screaming at him. Everybody all day was absolutely persuaded that Zach's foreskin ended up in one of the dishes. Or perhaps in several. I always have to lay it on thick be like, good morning, how are you? Would you like a double espresso? <laughs> it's like, I feel like such a pussy every time I do it, bro. Yeah. Yeah, I hated waiting tables because, like, there's more of that to it. I really liked bartending because you could be a little bit of a Kenny Shopson. Like, even in a restaurant, there would... You know, in a restaurant, you're essentially a waiter that's behind a bar, and that's just your section or whatever. But, like, if you, you know, you're, you're a little bit elevated above people, if you are, like, a little bit more, like, sort of forceful with people, they'll just naturally... Just, I think just because the space is the way it's set up or something. And they want like, booze. They're alcohol. Like, I used right. to worry about being on all the time. I'd be like, oh, my regulars aren't going to come back if I'm uh, having a bad day. And it's just like, no, nah, they're coming back because they're fucking drunks. Right. Yeah, they're addicts. <laughs> <laughs> they, the they, best they, kind they of customer. They booze. <laughs> I have it. I can tell them whatever I fucking want. I'll ignore them for fucking 45 minutes instead of cutting them off. So it's like... They're bu they're drugs. They're fiends, man. That's true. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You probably kind of overthink it. Where you're like, are they never gonna come back? <laughs> yeah. Did they not like my joke? Who <laughs> <laughs> was it really killing up there today? Um. What's uh? So let's talk about crazy shit. Just because I you've you told me ten years. Ten years, baby. Um, Thank you. Tell me your nightmare stories, man. What's the craziest shit that's happened to you back I'm there? I'm going to tell you a funny story that happened uh, <laughs> to a guy that I've worked with for uh, all 10 years. He was there uh, three years before me. Uh, very nice man uh, from Mexico. Worked six days a week and hadn't taken a vacation the entire time I knew him. And he's a... Uh, he worked barista and he's the only guy that can have do the coffees and have them hit before the entrees come when it gets really fucking busy. Like, yeah. And that shit is stressful. That is like the most stress. And as time went on in the past three or four years, his alcoholism really took a toll. And like we cut him off at the bar. We'd usually like slip him a little something, something here and there. And then like he started talking shit to managers. We're like, all right, you're cut off. He would steal white wine from the wine by the glass fridge and pour it into one of his giant coffee tins. And he would take down like four <laughs> bottles <laughs> in a shift. And it was kind of like this open secret where his belly would just get bigger and bigger <laughs> and bigger. And he was a gay dude, so he wasn't like friends with the girls. He actually hated all the girls. So. <laughs> <laughs> a girl manager told him some shit. He'd be slurring his world. He'd be like, shut the fuck up, bitch. <laughs> shut the fuck up. Who else could do this? Shut the fuck up. Like slurring, <laughs> red face, just like a complete drunk. And the GM's walking around, and the GM like sees the shit. Like Everybody knows. He's just chugging from this tin, white wine, which is uh, like an animal. And then he gets so drunk... That fucking, he gets called, they're, they're like, yo, come meet us down in the office at the end of the day. And he's like, fuck, I'm cornered. 
And right before he goes down there, he runs into the fridge and pulls out a giant thing of rosemary and shoves it down his throat and starts chewing on it to get rid of any of the white wine stank off of him. But rosemary is not the thing that you fucking eat. So it all gets caught up in his lungs. (laughs) So he was there sitting with the GM and HR and they're just like, so are you feeling okay? And he's just going, (laughs) coughing. And they're like, maybe we should do this another time, you know, when you're better. (laughs) And then so they tell him that they suspected that he was drunk and he was just like, no, I had a very bad allergy attack and I took uh, Claritin when I usually take Zyrtec. I took the wrong antihistamine. I had a bad allergic reaction and that's good. Now, he's since been fired, but what he did do is he started a wave of three different other guys using the antihistamine excuse <laughs> to save their jobs. And he's a fucking hero, bro. Oh, that fucking rules. <laughs> oh, man. I love it. Oh, I, yeah, that's, that's a good... That's a good service industry trope is the secret drinking thing. Oh, yeah. There's bro, so much of it. I was... Not even say, I was fairly blacked out most of the time that I worked for Insomni Cookies. I was there for about a year and a half uh, while I was in college. And, uh, and your job was riding a bike. Yeah, I was riding. Yeah, it's a, I've been, <laughs> At all hours of the night, though. Like, yeah, you gotta get fucking get drunk. I've been, I've been hit by a lot of cars. <laughs> but so one of the things about working for like a late night cookie delivery company is that like there's an understood client, right? It's kids at NYU who are high and they're like, we should get some fucking cookies, dude. This is going to be great. Right. And then you get there and they're like, guys. Wouldn't it be so fucking funny if we got the cookie guy high? Oh, and you're yeah. like, yeah, that would be really funny, actually. That's <laughs> you're right. That's a very funny idea. <laughs> you're just slurring your words. Uh, be, I'm already laughing. Oh, yeah. <laughs> but so throughout the night, <laughs> yeah, it's a fantastic bit, man. And then you have to like keep pretending like you don't do this very often. <laughs> you have to keep up this. Really? Just, like, this is so weed? nice. What do I do? How do I? I've never seen uh, a joint before. I usually smoke a bowl. Sometimes, you know, uh, they like instruct you through. It. And by the end of the night, you're just like fucking lit (laughs) go ahead and there was uh there was a time where it was kind of understood that this is what me and the other uh rider would do right and uh we got this new guy once who was like a dispatcher right his job was just like take the orders get the cookies going get us out right and our boss uh sits us down the day that this kid's about to start and he's like listen i know what you guys do (laughs) i know how this works Aaron cannot get high. <laughs> he has a very important job. He can't get high. You guys got to promise me you're not going to get him high. <laughs> Obviously, the moment the boss leaves, we get him high. <laughs> uh, but the boss, like, I guess forgot something, <laughs> came back. And so he comes back upstairs, and he sees us outside, literally in the middle of smoking a blunt. And he's like, Aaron, can you go inside for a second? <laughs> <laughs> and he's got the two of us. There's this like little balcony on the apartment. We're standing out on the balcony. He's like, you know, I got a fire, Aaron, right? <laughs> and we're like, we're leaving. We're leaving if you fire Aaron. You can't fire Aaron or else we quit. And then you, you lose all the money for the night. You have nobody <laughs> to deliver cookies for the night. You can't take that loss. And he just, like, I've never seen somebody, like, sigh harder than this. <laughs> and Aaron ended up working there longer than I did. Oh. I mean, delivery is, like, one of the few jobs where smoking weed, like, really improves your performance. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. good for Point A, job. point B, yeah. 
Um, that reminded me of this story that happened to me uh, way long time ago when I was in, like in college. I was delivering pizzas, and uh, this is like way way back. All it'll be dated by the, what I tell you in this story is that I go to this uh, this you know this college apartment or whatever, and they're like, "Yo, dude, come in and do a fucking Jello shot and like, uh, What's you know, that? do you want to get high?" They us? all think it's the funniest thing. Yeah, and uh, <laughs> well, so they're doing hammer time in here. Come. <laughs> They had an added bit to it, which is like, uh, we're watching two girls, one cup. Oh, hell yeah. Do you want to watch this with us? It'd be really funny if you did or whatever. And I was like, yeah, of course I do. Like, that's. Yeah. I thought they were going to say, do you want to poop into a cup? (laughs) Wouldn't it be so funny if the delivery guy (laughs) ate shit and then threw up into my mouth? I'm like, yeah, don't tell him I do this all the time. Uh, (laughs) But I, you know, so I I fucking did the jello shot and I smoked some weed with them or something. And like we watched it. We were like, that was fucking weird. And then I went back and yada, yada, yada. Nothing happened, right? And then like two or three years later, I was working at this restaurant and I was stocking some glasses behind the bar and I was talking to my this waiter, uh, this guy Aaron, who was like rolling uh, silverware. We're doing side work before we leave. We're just like shooting the shit. And uh, we just were meeting for the first time and we're just like, hey, yo, I'm Jake, I'm Aaron or whatever. And I'm like, we're both like, where do I know you from? <laughs> <laughs> and he like just kind of goes like, did I watch two girls one cup? <laughs> <laughs> I was like, oh my god, yeah. That's <laughs> the bet. strongest bond men can share. <laughs> <laughs> we both love women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then we've been friends ever since. <laughs> um, what else? What about um, uh, tipping stories? I've got opinions. I mean, I think the Swedes, the Danes, the Norwegian are the scum of the earth. They don't tip. Break it down by race. (laughs) (laughs) Dares, you're a good boy, but you come from bad stock. Uh, (laughs) They speak American English. They fuck with our culture heavy. They're the type of people, they love to eat, too, and they're very refined. They'll run up the $300, $400 check, and then in their mind... Shaking your hand and making direct contact, eye contact, and saying, "Hey, thank you so much. That was oh. a terrific meal. I know I'm getting stiff the second I look down." Yeah. Everybody else that that gets money, like French people, will stiff you, and they'll make it into a political issue. They'll be like, "You should be making a living wage," and it's just like you're still fucking me right now. Yeah. <laughs> but like, counter French back at them. But like, we've uh, Brazilian tourism has increased a lot since they got money in 2008. The economy sinking right now but when it first happened it was kind of like uh the french have all those uh shitty uh, the stereotypes about americans and that's when americans got money started going to paris they didn't know the customs brazil they came up here they didn't know about tipping at all lovely people super nice would buy a bunch of shit but they didn't know how to tip but each year they got better because somebody told them or whatever but like swedes have been coming here for forever they know the fucking deal and I had a Swedish uh, friend that was a waitress, and she, when her sister would come here, she'd be like, yeah, I'm not tipping. It's illogical. She's like, <laughs> I'm on holiday. She God was just damn. like, I want to have as much money as I can to spend in the big city. <laughs> oh. Yeah, that's fucked up. <laughs> so do you have anything to say for... <laughs> I mean, it could be a language confusion thing because um, the Norwegians, we typically are not circumcised. <laughs> and so- 
Where is this going? <laughs> the tip. I'll no, take your foreskin as a tip. <laughs> oh, you keep the tip. We yeah. keep the tip. Um, the thing is, like, if you, the service. <laughs> that's so <already> dumb. This <laughs> I would take a foreskin as a tip. <laughs> Before you even started the answer, I was like, this is going to be off the rails. <laughs> <laughs> the service industry does turn you into this person where you go like, all right, am I like becoming super racist or xenophobic? Yeah. But the thing is, it's not these groups of people specifically. You're talking about tourists. Yeah. Right. I hate German tourists because they're the fucking and it's just the, there's a reason they hate us over there too is because we send our worst fucking people which is like college students and shit yeah. and uh and just people who just got the money to throw around and go out there or whatever teachers um, are bad tippers i've noticed really yeah they tip and uh, my dad who's norwegian does this too they tip before the tax so they'll like oh. subtract the tax and tip based on that yeah. They, use, they use math against us. Yeah. Because <laughs> they know it so well. There's a real line between like, oh, you don't know what you're doing, and you know what the fuck you're doing. Yeah. You did this on purpose. But there, I, I'll tell you a story about this guy. He, this guy, I don't think knew what he was doing. I, fuck, I was working at the, uh, the, the Death City Bar one time, and uh, this guy comes in. He was dead during the day, and I feel like I summoned him because I was listening to like Egyptian jazz at the time and shit, and like this dude <laughs> fucking comes in, and he's got like... He's just got this evil grin on his face. And I'm like, something weird is going to happen. And he's like, kind of comes up to me and orders like a Bud Light or something. And I give it to him. And he's pretty silent for a little while. And uh, then he goes and uh, he goes to pay for it. And he gives me exact change. And I'm like, okay, you know, this, I see what's going on here. This person's kind of new and whatever. And he keeps doing it. And I, it, it's, it's slow, and I took a gamble with this guy. And I'll do this every once in a while if someone's, like, clearly not from America. I go, you know, hey, man, where are you from? And he goes, uh, you know, um, he goes, Yemen. He tells me he's been here. He's from Yemen. He, uh -huh. he just came to America. How long have you been here? And he's like, three hours, you know? <laughs> and uh, he talks like that, too, and shit. I'm not trying to draw. I'm not trying to paint a stereotype. This guy was this thing, you know? <laughs> and he... <laughs> And I go, hey, well, uh, just so you know, you know, I've, if you don't know how like the drinking laws work and the service laws work or whatever, it's customary. We get paid part of our payments tips. I'm telling you this, and this is like kind of the way I couch it to keep this from being a fucked up situation. Sometimes is I go, I don't care if you tip me. I'm just telling you this so that you don't accidentally make someone mad at another bar if you go somewhere else and then you know because people are crazy dude they might like fight you or something or whatever mm -hmm. and he's like ah oh, yeah if I fucking see America yeah. <laughs> what a country <laughs> and he's fucking grinning at me and he goes okay I'll have another Bud Light and I give him another Bud Light and he gives me exact change again like while staring me in the eye and grinning I'm like you motherfucker god damn it and I go you know like you know, also if it's a money thing, like if you don't have that much money, you don't have to drink at a bar. That's another thing about what's going on, you know, here <laughs> is that you could go buy this shit at a gas station and just get drunk if you want to. You just want to get drunk. Like I get it, you know. You're coming from somewhere where maybe you're not able to drink, you know, and it's like it's a new experience. And he's like, ah, one more Bud Light, three dollars, you know. <laughs> he keeps fucking doing it, and eventually. I'm just like, okay, this is happening. I've given up trying to make money off of him and resigned to the situation. And there's nothing else going on. I'm just sitting there listening to music and stuff. And he goes and he sits all the way in the corner at the end of the bar. 
and he his phone rings and he answers it and I swear to God he's just screaming in some language like a fucking warlord or something and I'm like Jesus Christ dude like there's no one else in here but if there were this would be like kind of a problem you know and he's and I'm like who was that and he goes it was my wife and children alright man well listen you're insane um, have a good day and as he leaves he tips me one Yemeni rupee <laughs> and it's really cool I use it as a bookmark and shit it looks <laughs> awesome it's foreign money I looked it up it's worth one one thousandth of a cent in America <laughs> 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 Jesus Christ <laughs> <laughs> it's just his calling card <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think he like knew what he was doing like he did it a, as a bit <laughs> well, I got a pretty cool bookmark out of it yeah. <laughs> I have a, uh, a tipping anecdote that is a little bit gossip Gossipy, I suppose. Ooh. Um, so there I was with Elon Musk. <laughs> uh, no, it is a uh, somebody who I don't know if any of us actually personally know, but uh, she is like adjacent to our circles. We'll say uh, a a famous child actor who is now a uh, comedian <laughs> uh, uh, who uh, used to go to NYU and was there while I was delivering cookies to the NYU students who would give me exact change on her weekly cookie order. Oh. <laughs> and there's nothing worse than going to somebody's apartment. First of all, knowing you're not going to get a tip because you've never gotten a tip from this person. But additionally, knowing that they have money from this movie that everyone we know has seen. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Wait, okay. Yeah, uh, you know who it is. Yeah, yeah. I know who it is. And I'm not surprised. <laughs> um... Oh, I, I got a delivery story. I used to deliver every day. You talk about knowing your, like, like if you have a regulars at a delivery place, mm-hmm. you, you, you know who they are and what they're going to tip like or whatever. Um, I had a guy named Ray Maxwell. He had the coolest name ah. ever. He was a million-year-old gay man who, uh, who clearly, like, I think... My theory on him is that he was closeted his whole life, and then now that he lives in this... Uh, like public housing situation where he's clearly going to die. He's just going super into it. He's drunk with power. He, you'd, <laughs> <laughs> he'd order the same thing. I can't remember what it was. It was really just like a order that grossed me out. And he fucking, uh, you'd open his door and he'd go like, you know, hi. And then just over the shoulder, you would just see like an insane amount of gay porn just <laughs> all over his fucking walls and he'd tip pretty well, you know, every time and you just go, hey Ray, have a good time man <laughs> and it smelled, you could, def- when he opened the door, like the smell peace. that wafted out of his fucking apartment was cum and masturbation maybe you have one of those trees, you know what I'm talking about like the queen's tree that smells like cum, no, no. there's a kind of tree that smells like cum, there's a whole British sketch about it. Ew. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I had a whole little racket when I was a barista in Chelsea. Like, my gay regulars were my bread and butter. I would work there Sunday mornings. I would have to open at seven. And so you'd get all these coked out old single gay dudes that would come in for brunch and just stare at me making coffee. And I would, that was the best tips I ever made in my life. I would like walk away from there with 20 bucks usually, but on Sunday brunches, I'd walk away with 100. 
150. I was just like, man, if this is hot to you, then I'll just keep doing it. A sweaty fat boy making you coffee. <laughs> Old gay people are usually good tippers. Well, yeah, man. They're comrades, they, you know? Yeah, they know what's up. They've been through the struggle. Yeah. Um, the cum tree is called the calorie pear. <laughs> <laughs> Something I do want to mention, if you are with a friend and you go out to eat and you split the check and then you, you say, give us cash and then the rest on the card, uh, that cash is going to the fucking total. We're not going to be able to take, like, we don't know how much you're, of yeah. that is supposed to be a tip. So if you're listening, please do not do that. Just like <laughs> the cash you give is going to go to the total. Leave a, a bill or, t- you know, leave the cash after it's already signed and done. But uh, that drives me fucking crazy. Might I also add to that? You know what you're doing. Yeah. <laughs> you fuckers. I'm always amazed at how many people pay with like a black card. So they spend a million dollars a year in credit, but they can't do simple math. It'll yeah. be like the total be one oh three oh five with the twenty dollar tip, and then they'll put like one thirteen oh five, and I'm just like, bro, you know that is one <laughs> two three oh five. Yeah. <laughs> like you, you have to be able to do math to spend this type of money, but it, all the time, and they then you're left to ways. figure out. They yeah. want to have it both ways. They want to look like they're giving a good tip, but like, eh, I actually want that ten dollars. <laughs> yeah. Do you, uh, you got any more weird ones? Oh uh, Yeah, so when I worked at uh, the No Malice Palace on 3rd Street and Avenue B, it was a dirty, run-down bar. Uh, it was how I first started bartending, so I bar back there, and then I was the bartender on Sundays and Mondays. This place had no TV, no kitchen, no draft beer, so I was selling... The cheapest beer I had was a Bud for seven bucks, a bottle oh, of Budweiser for seven bucks with Jesus. no TV. God damn. It was that a dance sucks. club that functioned on Friday and Saturdays. So how I bill regulars is there was this uh, Eddie Huang had Bauhaus back then, which was a restaurant on the Lower East Side. Mm-hmm. Oh, I love that. Uh, it was good. It was good. He's he's fucking crazy, too. I think that... That dude's nuts. He's nuts. <laughs> I think he got the place. He fake uh, robbed his own shit one time to get the insurance money so they can open up a second location. <laughs> Dude, hell yeah. Uh, you heard it here first, folks. Eddie Huang. Eddie Huang. Um, but so I would get all these regulars from these kids that worked at Bauhaus, and they would come up, and I would just give away the entire bar to them. And one night, like four of them come in, and they're like, yo... The Ace is uh, coming behind with this dude that I think is trying to fuck him, but he's got really good coke. (laughs) I was like, all right, sick. (laughs) Um, I think that guy was going to be a problem. And then Ace walks in a little bit before, and I can see this dude who looks like Harry Belafonte uh, smoking a cigarette outside in a white shirt. And Ace is just like, yo, man. (laughs) He was like, this guy has got fire coke, but I'm pretty sure that he's going to try and, like, fuck me if I go take a piss or something. (laughs) And I was just like, well, you know, he's all are welcome here. Just don't piss. Like, just stay in the bar. It'll be fine. So the guy walks in from outside, and he's beautiful looking. Like, he's a handsome man, but he's sweating all dripping down him and it's like september it was chilly out there's no reason (laughs) for this amount of sweat he's wearing a white shirt and uh blue uh blue jeans (laughs) nice shoes and i'm just like hey man what's up uh i'm will and he's just like hey my name's winston and i'm not gay (laughs) (laughs) and then he like held the back of my neck and was squeezing my hand he's just like and i'm not gay (laughs) and i was just like dude i didn't even ask i don't even care would love it if you were um and i serve him a drink but then he starts like you know because of his insane cokey energy starts making everybody upset asa goes down to take a piss and, and 
sure enough, the dude follows down after him. I think that he thought that they were going to hook up into his coked out haze. And then Asa comes running up the stairs. And he's just like, no, 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 no. You got to get him out. You got to get him out. You got to get him out. So I take a paring knife from behind the bar, which is like, you know, two inches is nothing. And I, I, I'm like, I like, I don't know if I should hold it in front of me because I don't think that's a good look. So like I'm like kind of like have it shown from the side and then I'm putting it behind my back. I was just like, hey, man, you got to get the fuck out. You got to get the fuck out. And he's just standing there waving his hands in front of me. And he's just like, but he's like, I, I paid. He's like, and I'm not gay. <laughs> I was just like, I don't care. Was it st- <laughs> Why do you keep saying that? Was it straight pride month? Was he trying to get a discount? <laughs> so I, I, I get him out. And then it's like me and these other kids. And we lock the door. And we're just kind of waiting, looking out the window. And he stayed for like a half an hour with his face pressed against the window, just dripping sweat. <laughs> I went down back into the bathroom and like literally no joke. There was probably like 15 grams just scattered on the bathroom floor. I pick it up and I did a little bump and it was the most <laughs> pure fire cocaine <laughs> I'd ever done in my entire life. And because I wasn't a degenerate fucking coke piece of shit by then, I took 14 of those grams and I flushed them down oh, the toilet. Oh, and I no. kept the I no I kept the one, and I stayed up for 36 <laughs> hours straight <laughs> on one. And yeah, dude, that was pro- that's the only time that I've ever had to get aggressive with somebody. But that's like when you're working without a bouncer, dude, complete, no bar back, completely by yourself, Sunday, Monday nights on the Lower East Side, shit would get, I would serve these women who were like. You, you know what I think, just not to cut you off. Yeah. If the Coke was that good, Winston's gay. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Gay dudes got the best cocaine. <laughs> they got the best drugs, they period. But. Somehow their own drug dealers. <laughs> <laughs> well, if you had all that disposable income, no kids and shit, like, come on. Um, fucking no, like I would get these moms that would come in and they would live in Stoytown and they would be like, "Oh, uh, my husband thinks that I took the kids to karate practice." He was just like, "But I just dropped them off." And they would drink like four vodka sprites in like twenty five minutes, and I was just like, "This is not the fun part of bartending. Like, I don't, I don't like that part of it." Still, to this ruin a family will. You would have to get weird drugs on at Old Man Hustle, like people. Oh, oh absolutely. Uh, yeah, just thinking about this, with, uh, working without a bartender thing, you kind of brought up some memories. Um, I would have, a, I had a regular during the day who was uh, this half Japanese guy who was a c- clearly had PTSD from his job, which is he was a war photographer. Jesus oh. Christ. Yeah. So they would drop him in the fucking shit in like uh, you know Afghanistan and stuff, and his job was to photograph shit. And I saw his photographs. He was good, but it destroyed his mind. He was a fucking train wreck drunk, and he would come in and um, you know. How long would you say one day of war photography is equivalent to in the service industry? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously, I mean we are far superior to them yeah. and heroes, you know, <laughs> whereas they are, uh, you know. They're, they're stealing our valor. <laughs> <laughs> They've never made any food. <laughs> <laughs> They've never had to deal with them as, uh, you know, crazy people after they come back. Um, <laughs> whoa, cut that out. All right. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> hey, <I'm cut> <laughs> <laughs> uh, but this fucking dude would, uh, he'd come in and like, there is an understanding. All right. I wrote a Facebook post about this that has since people have hit me up 
for it before. Like, can you print that out so I can show it to bar customers? Um, here's basically what happened. A uh, Old Man Hustle was full of, you know, I, I had regulars and I had like traffic on the weekends, but a lot of the crowd during the week was comedians. They would come in for the open mic or to do sets on the weird midweek mics or whatever. And um, they wouldn't buy anything because they're, you know, fucking broke ass open micy weirdos who are not there to drink. They're, people at open mics really don't understand a lot of the time that like you, what you're doing is not good for the business. You have a, like a like a you're a parasite on the business. If you can bring people in, it's good. But really, a lot of people, I think, just don't think about it in a certain way where they're, they're like, what? We deserve spaces to do our art or whatever. And it's like, <laughs> no, well, the f- go do it outside. <laughs> like you're you're in my thing here. And I, you know, if we could work out a deal that benefits both of us, that's great. But if not, like, you know, you don't get to walk around like you you are like, you know, uh, you, what's the word? Entitled to this space or whatever. And I had this fucking guy come in one time and he really pissed me off. He went, hey, Jake, when are you going to start giving us free drinks? And uh, <laughs> I'm like, I know that like some other open mic comic has worked here and they probably started hooking you up or whatever, but like there's math to this shit. <laughs> okay. And I broke all this down and I'll fucking go find it and like put it on something or whatever. But I basically explained that like, okay, when you run like, when you work at like a corporate place or like a, like a, like a fancy restaurant, there's not really free drinks. You can sort of every once in a while, oh, the mayor's in here, you know, we'll give him free shit or whatever. But, uh, or there might be something like a, a built into the POS like button for, you're allowed to give out one free thing a day, you know, one comp, right? Or three or whatever, depending on the place. With dive bars, especially fucked up shitholes like that that are run by some tornado of cocaine type lawyer person, right? What's going on is the the, the owner of the bar hires you and they trust you with their shit and then they leave you alone and as long as you can keep them trusting you and keep the place making money, you have some elasticity with which to deal with the concept of spilling drinks which is one thing, which is when, like, if you, literally you knock over a drink and you spill it, it is factored into the money as, like, that's a spilled drink. You can get away with comping people on the spill tab as a way of expanding your comp tab. You have the comp tab, but you also just have, like, a general understanding of, like, if I am able to get away with giving away a few of these, and especially the low-grade ones, and because I'm able to give away a certain amount, I then have to choose within this scarce amount of free shit that I give out who to give it to and how much I'll get back. And that's how you generate like regulars who you know will tip you over the top every time because you're doing the gesture of giving them one or two free drinks. Right. Or a lot if they're throwing $100 bills at you. Because frankly, if they're throwing that much money at you, you can just put it back into the register and it's like everyone's kind of, everyone gets a cut and everyone's hunky-dory or whatever. And I told this guy and I said, your guys aren't giving me shit. Like you're not, if you tip me extra money, I'll probably give you a free drink here and there, right? But it's not like, if you give me $1, like fuck you, why would I give you free shit? Who makes money off of that? You. And that's it not the company so i had some regulars who understood this quite well and put me in a situation where they like really ratcheted up the how obnoxious can i be and how much shit can i start in this bar while still throwing tons of like gi bill money at me to where (laughs) sometimes i'd be like if you 
if you fuck up the show, then everyone else leaves, and then, all right, now is when I kick you out. So every day, this guy would come in with his weird silent friend, and they would be normal until they would get shit-faced, and I'd give them shots and stuff, and I'd be like, <laughs> all right, when's it going to happen? And... You know, the first time it happened, I was you got to get the fuck out of here. And he fought me and I pushed him out. He came back the next day and I went, it's cool, man. Just, you know, don't do it again. And then eventually all these factors that I'm describing came into play. And it became a thing where we both knew I was going to throw him out. <laughs> <laughs> and then we would just wait to see. Is like, is it going to be six? Is it going to be seven? Is it going to be 630? When am I going to do it? And eventually he'd go like. All right, and I'd come around the bar and I'd literally put my arm around his neck like a cartoon and drag him out the door. And as like a ritual, he would fight it. And then we'd get out. A lot of times it would be this weird thing where it would be like, it would look like we were fighting, like, ah, fuck you, man. And then I'd and I would get him just out of the sight of like everyone in the bar. And then we'd just both start laughing. <laughs> but, but I was literally throwing him out. Like he was like, I was like, I think right now is when you're cutting into my money. You know, so, so get the fuck out of here, dude. Oh, man. Have you ever done any light credit card fraud? <laughs> <laughs> I, I worked at a spot where the scheme was, so best case scenario, early on in the day, somebody uh, orders a bunch of shit and pays for it in all cash, right? And it was corporate space, so we had a POS, and you would leave that cash check open, and then when people came in throughout the day and ordered stuff, you would just run their credit card to pay for the cash check and then pocket the cash. Uh. Mm. It was fucking, dude, there was this chick that you could work with. You'd be a slow Tuesday like today, and I would walk out with like 400 bucks in cash, and I would just be like, what the fuck is going on here? And she'd be like, don't. Don't ask nothing. <laughs> I would be like, all right. But she was like the godmother of this fucking... King. I mean, my advice to all bar patrons is pay cash, man. Pay cash. Yeah. Be direct. Pay cash. Know what you want. And then we're good. If you want a free drink, like, small places, it's hard to get. But if you're a decent human being or in somebody in a really tight spot, you can get a drink. If you look sad... I'll buy you a drink. If you look happy, I'll buy you a drink. If you're a dick, I never buy you a fucking drink. <laughs> Here's the, the reason I explain it in like uh, it, it, as, a, as a system. Like um, I was talking about this online, and I said, you know, listen, what you do is you make it apparent up front by tipping a lot on the first drink, and then you look at the bartender, the bartender looks at you, and you guys kind of wink at each other, and you understand, and the next one comes out, and they go... Don't worry about it, right? Oh. And I explained that. And something occurred to me when a couple of people who I have quit drinking by this point since then, who are ex, like they were so good at drinking, they quit. They were like, yeah, dude, I know all about this. Every time I sat down, I would come out guns blazing, and that's how you do it. And I went, oh, we're not only drug addicts. We're gambling addicts. And <laughs> if you explain this as like a system of like how to beat blackjack, it makes it fun. <laughs> I myself have lost money just going like reading a bartender before and going like, I wonder if this will work. <laughs> and then throwing a 20 at them and then it doesn't happen. And I go, must not at this place. But if I keep traveling the world, going from bar to bar, doing this, I'll eventually I'll find one that's fucking jackpot and I'll make my money back or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> It also, sh people, like, because it happens once doesn't mean it's going to happen again. Even if you're a regular, people, like, like, you give somebody a free drink once, and then at, from now on, just not going to have a tab for the rest of your life. <laughs> yeah. And then they'll, like, hint at it, and we're like, last time we were here, it's got a free drink. 
And, uh, yeah, just don't do that. Yeah, it, it can't happen all the time. You can get into a relationship with someone where you yeah. sort of understand that, like, I'm able to do this, but also, like, yeah, you can't expect that to happen every time. Right. You can also drink in the parking lot for, yeah. like, $2. Like, it's such a weird thing to obsess over. You yeah. Know? And it's so awkward, though, where people try to, like, be playful about getting something for free. And it's like, I still know. Like, I don't know what you want me to Like, I can't just give you shit. I'm sorry. And then they, like, hold it against you. Yeah. When I'm I w- always intrigued by the bar regular life because, like, a lot of them, they don't appear to have friends outside of the bar. And their friends at the bar, this kind of, like, makeshift like you ask them questions about somebody else when they're not there like oh yeah well what does he do and they'll be like i don't fucking know i just fucking drink with the guy it's like what do you guys talk about <laughs> he knows about my dead aunt so we're friends now <laughs> uh when i worked at the uh, uh cafe on 14th there was a system that really highlighted just like the social pressure you get from regular customers that can translate into money, like we had these fortune tellers next door who were a family, and they would always come in with children or babies and demand things that were not on the menu for $5. But they did it every day. So eventually (laughs) they just got whatever they wanted because you couldn't tell them no. They could read fortunes. <laughs> they knew magic, and they were there every day. You can't deny someone like that. It would be funny if you were like, all right, how about quid pro quo? I'll give you a free drink, and then you tell me a fortune, which is you lying to me, and it costs you no money. You hex my friend. <laughs> um, do you got any more? We should probably round this out soon. It's cool if it's worth scraping Have you been saving a closer? Have I been saying it closer? I've got credit card fraud. I got duty swallow. Oh, by the way, by the way, I should uh, just mention this is a satire podcast and everything. We <laughs> yeah, nothing we yeah, talked about I is true. Said anything really. I am. A, I've never turned a three I into an eight. Have a trust fund. I have never worked in any <laughs> yeah. capacity. This is all. Yeah. Uh, what do you ever? Do you have autograts at your place for any like large parties and stuff? What's that? Auto automatic gratuity. You oh, end? we used to, but uh, I think it's illegal now. Cause illegal? Was, is it? Yeah, I think there was something about people uh, getting pissed about it just being included on there, and then they would take somebody to small claims court. So they were getting too many cases about automatic gratuity getting added on because people would see not realize that they were automatic gratuity and then put gratuity on top of yeah, that right. and then feel like oh, they're getting ripped off yeah oh. so then they would take the business to small claims court and i think the federal government was just like yo fuck this no more automatic gratuity because we used to do it for parties of six or more but we stopped about three years ago mm, so yeah where i may or the place i may that i don't work uh, that does not exist. They um, <laughs> they have a rule after 10 p.m. you can do auto gratuities, but you have to. And at first it was great because like large parties, I just like dropping the check or whatever. But now they're like making us say it, like tell them directly that like the gratuities included, and it's just always so. Uh, and a couple weeks ago, I had this guy like grill me about it for like 10 minutes. He's shit faced. Uh, and and then he signs the receipt and then uh, writes a bunch of weird shit on the receipt, including "stay away from dark alleys." <laughs> oh my god! <laughs> Holy shit! You just double crossed the black jolly cat. <laughs> <laughs> to 
<laughs> Jolly Black Cat. <laughs> Jolly Black Cat. <laughs> All right. That's fucking good. I We should wrap it up. We're a little bit over an hour. Um, gentlemen. Thank you for your service. Hey, hey. Thank you so much. <laughs> I got a Give me your seat on the bus. <laughs> uh, anybody want to plug anything? Yeah, uh, you can listen to my podcast, The Good, The Dad, and The Ugly. It's three straight white male comedians that only interview female comedians about uh, ladies' shit, trying to bridge the sexes. You can follow me at will.the.winner on Instagram. Cool. Uh, and uh, I'm on Twitter... Uh, at Jeremy Thunder and check out my podcast with Alex uh, Balling Out Super I don't know what he's talking about (laughs) (laughs) Uh, at Anders Lee here on Twitter is my handle uh, at which you can message me for the address if you're in New York City to a little DIY show uh, we got going on in Bushwick. I'm really excited for it. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's called Ceremony. Um, we got th- thank you. We got uh, Ben Wasserman, Simple Town, which is who've uh, been on Adult Swim doing some sketches. Uh, Kate Owens, and then uh, music from Inch Princess. It's going to be Sunday at 8:30, June 9th. Uh, just send me a message. DMs are open, and I'll tell you where you can go to find it physically. Uh, follow me on Twitter at Patak Jokes, um, and my main dish right now is at my weekly comedy show at Cherry Tree Bar every Sunday. If you live in Brooklyn, come. It's at 7. Um, also, just a great place to be if you want to meet an insane bartender who I'm pretty positive does not listen to this. So just <laughs> go and ask him about Instagram just like bring up Instagram for even a second and that will be your entire night. You don't even have to see the show. Sundays at seven. If you want a bunch of likes on Instagram, just befriend this guy. This man is online. (laughs) (laughs) Show him the jolly cat on Instagram. Um, Thanks for coming out to Yoko. My monthly show, it's on first and third Tuesdays at El Cortez and Bushwick. We got another one obviously coming up next week on the 18th. Um, we've got the Jolly Cat headlining <laughs> and opening, and he's the whole show. No, uh, no, we got uh, lots of good guests. Um, it's been going well. I'm excited about it. So thanks for coming out, and uh, yeah, come hang out more. I, uh, it's it's my hang. It's where I hang out with the audience when they come party and shit. So, uh, you can also, if you want to come fight me, if you're uh, Louis J. Gomez and you want to kill me, <laughs> I'm a comedian. I advertise where I am at at all times. <laughs> um, <laughs> also, um, I'll fight him with you, Doc. <laughs> <laughs> we'll both still probably die. This we'll, arms race is escalating in a really dangerous way. <laughs> It'll be really funny. But we'll both comedian <laughs> arms race. <laughs> um, uh, I'll be at the Colfax Comedy uh, Festival in Denver in July, and I think we're going to do a live episode of this podcast. I'm not sure exactly if all of us are going to be there or whatever. It's, it might be just me and some local people, but we'll do something. So, uh, you know, if you're one of the uh, fucking damned, come on out, and uh, we'll do, yeah, we'll be doing stand up and a little bit of podcast shit. Um, going on tour in September with my tour wife, Mishka Shubali. We're going out again to a little co-headliney sort of thing. I'm um, going from Boise, Salt Lake City, somewhere up there we're starting, and then heading down the country like a, um, like a happy trail down the middle of the country. It'll be <laughs> ending in fucking Texas uh, at Altercation Festival. My buddy JT Haberstadt runs a big festival every year eddie pepitone's headlining should be fucking cool um i think that's it 
I feel like I'm missing something, and I think that's it. Doesn't matter. It's on Twitter. There's all my shit will be on Twitter. Um, it's finished. It's finished. <laughs> I love. And I love you. Like I love you. Like I love you. I love you. What the fuck? Bartending over